Cult Podcast features adult themes and graphic descriptions of violence. Listener discretion is advised. Now please, enjoy the show. Don't drink the Kool-Aid. For the purposes of this podcast, we define a cult as organizations that rally behind an entity or leader who espouse beliefs outside the norm. Organizations that require physical or monetary sacrifice as a condition of membership. Organizations in which the doctrines followed by the leaders are different than that of the followers. Organizations in which isolation is encouraged either by commune living or by a policy of disconnection from outside relationships. And organizations that actively recruit new members. All cults might have some or all of these traits, and as always, these are our opinions. Thank you for tuning in to Cult Podcast. I'm Paige Wesley. And I'm Armando Torres. And with us we have... Andrea Gazetta! Yay! And we're going to actually record an episode this time. Yeah, we're going to do it! Yay! Uh, we did a bonus episode that I'm pretty sure is going to come out tomorrow. Um, hopefully I can get that done for us. Uh, so today... Oh boy... It's my week. It's Armando's week. And I am covering the family of David and its leader, Emmanuel David. Okay. So, uh, oh man, this is going to be kind of a doozy, but just stick with it. Um, I think it's a super interesting story. So before we get any further, I want to go with my sources. My sources for today's episode are the Foundation for Economic Education, the Historical Overview of Mental Illness Treatment by Concordia St. Paul University. Hmm. The Shiloh Hotel, an article by History Goes Bump. Ooh. Which I, I thought at first was a weird porn site. Not a weird porn no, site. No, I've actually been on History Goes Bump before because that's where I find out about all the places in Pasadena that are haunted. Oh. Yeah. I was on History Goes Bump because I was trying to find a video of uh, FDR bumping. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know what I'm talking about? Yikes. Talking about turning that new deal into a raw he was, deal. He, hey. he was in a wheelchair. So somebody would have had to like bump him. Climb on up onto his economic strategy or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> the Prophet Who Failed, an article by the Washington Post. And uh, the post tithing, as posted on mormonthink.com. Ooh. So uh, let's start off by talking about Charles Bruce. Longo. Charles His name was cool until you got to the last part. Charles Bruce Longo. I think it's pretty cool. I think it's what's really funny about it is that his last name just sounds like somebody who's visiting Mexico but doesn't speak Spanish. <laughs> We're the Longo. Mucho family. Longo. <laughs> que dinero. KS. So Charles Bruce Longo was born in Yonkers in 1938 at the tail end of the Great Depression. In a department store? There's a department store named Yonkers? I thought it was just the most hilarious named borough ever. Oh, oh yeah. no, there's a, it's like, you know, Bergner's? No. There's no. A, like an off-brand of Bergner's called Yonkers. I feel like you're making this up. Yeah, what the fuck? <laughs> Midwest <laughs> is this parallel those, universe. Is this one of those like stinging nettles things? Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they don't exist. Shut up, we have people who say they're here. Sometimes I would get stinging nettles and then I'd have to go to Yonkers and, <laughs> and then I'd get hungry and I'm like, oh boy, I better stop at the Hardee's. I gotta stop. Well, I've been to a Hardee's. I've Hardee's also exists. been to a Hardee's. It's a real thing. These are And they were going to say stopped at Burglars and I was like, you're right. That is a good name for a burger place. <laughs> <laughs> Burglars? No, he was born in Yonkers, which is a borough in New York. 
Uh, he was the eldest child of two born to a well-established family. His father was a lapsed Catholic and his, uh, <laughs> yeah. Like most. Mo- yeah, like most people. Uh, his so father he was a normal Catholic. So he was a person. He his was father was a also person? a doctor, you know, okay. so he was, he was, that's the main reason they were well off. His mother was an Episcopalian, um, and they raised <laughs> Charles and his brother. They're like so fun Catholics. A- yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, they were reportedly not a religious household, but they did go to church on Sundays where Charles was an altar boy. I mean, at that time, Yikes. it was cultural, I would think, more than anything yeah. else. That's really what it is. So Charles was different because he was said to have a gift for being able to convince people of outlandish things. Like, he would show up late to school with stories and excuses and often was believed by even his teachers. Like, Whoa. I found a story... Of him saying that he was late to school and the lie that he said was like his dad broke his leg or something. His dad broke his own leg, not he broke Charles's leg. No, I know. Okay. I assumed that his dad broke his own yeah. leg. But then then when you said it again, I was like, what, like with a hammer? Like, yeah, like yeah. he did it himself? Yeah, it's like, it, 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 it's weird. And like, so Stop he would, he hammer would, time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> There's even a story of uh, at five years old, he threatened that he was going to run away because he wasn't being paid attention to. So his mom ignored him and he ran away <laughs> and he was able to convince a police officer to lend him money for a bus and a taxi. Whoa. Yeah, and that's like he's able to pull this shit all the time. After graduating at 17, he joined the Marines where he was stationed in Korea because at this time it was um Yeah, 17 this Korean War. Yeah, it it was it was right at the end of the Korean War. In okay. fact, when he would have been in here, it was nearing the start of the Vietnam War, but way before the troops were actually invading Vietnam. Mm. So, he was stationed in Korea uh and then in fort bragg in california but he was trained to be a paratrooper but the the main thing that we're going to focus on is while he was in the marines he adopted the beliefs of the church of jesus christ of latter-day saints and converted to mormonism oh hey yeah get the fun underwear and no coffee out (laughs) he took mormonism very seriously he even quit smoking and drinking and adhered to the rules very strictly and he became an lds youth leader an assistant boy scout leader which is probably the saddest job title i've ever heard of (laughs) cool for her (laughs) upon being discharged from the marines here's the other thing by the way Boy Scouts sounds like a horrible name because Boy Scout sounds like the guy who watches Boy Scouts. He's looking you know for dudes. Yeah, he's like, for boys. scouted a couple boys today. <laughs> <laughs> I got my peeping patch. Oh, no. <laughs> Excuse me, oh, s- no. sir, who are you? Me. I'm the assistant Boy Scout leader. It's just a badge. It's a bush with glasses. <laughs> and not the bush you're thinking of. Hey, oh, no. In 1960, Charles was accepted. <laughs> in 1960, Charles accepted a missionary assignment assignment to Uruguay, which sounds like the... Uh, no, Uruguay. Yeah. yeah. You mean Uruguay? Is that how you pronounce it? <laughs> yeah, I believe so. Because I've just been looking at maps and going... <laughs> You're gay. <laughs> you are gay. No, it's, I'm pretty sure it's Uruguay and Paraguay. Yeah, probably. But okay. I mean, who's asking? Okay. Also, I don't uh, know. Countries? I don't... 
Missionary assignments sound hella boring. I'd much rather go on a doggy style assignment. Anyway. Uh, His devotion to Mormonism showed most here. He quickly learned Spanish and was able to quote the Book of Mormon by memory in both English and Spanish, which is actually kind of impressive because he was only there for like a fucking year. That is actually pretty impressive. Where sociopath means genius. (laughs) Yay. After his missionary assignment, Charles moved to Utah and began a attending a Brigham Young University. Brigham? Brigham Young. Brigham Young. Oh, oh my God. God. He's a famous person. <laughs> Brigham Young sounds like something uh, the assistant Boy Scout leader would say. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, Brigham, Brigham. Young over here. Brigham. Brigham Young. <sighs> Can't believe they put me in charge of this university. Anyway, it's, it's a, a private Mormon, Mormon college, and he went there as a Spanish major. Mormon? Which is, Oh my god. Okay. Yeah, he just got back from Europe. (laughs) (laughs) He went there as a Spanish major. (laughs) High five. These Boy Scouts are really bringing in the men's. (laughs) He went there uh, as a Spanish major, which is something that I didn't know they would have at a Mormon college. But Brigham Young University is like a legit giant university. It's like going to a state school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's a lot more Jesus. So he went there as a Spanish major, and it was there that he met a Spanish woman. From Sweden. What? What? Yeah. She so she's Spanish, right? From Spain? From no, she's Spanish from Sweden. That doesn't make sense. So her Is family the on the end of that because she's only kind of Spanish because she's actually Swedish. <laughs> so she's her family is from Spain. Okay. And then they moved to Sweden. Okay. And then she moved to America. Okay. So it seems like each time she tried to find a more boring place to live, where she was, their their family was like Spain, and it's like, yeah, siestas, bullfighting. They're like, we're gonna we move to, tone it we're down. gonna move to Sweden, and then they were like, well, okay, Sweden's also pretty cool. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like colder it's, and whiter. It's, it's less cool than Spain, and it's like it's still pretty cool. And then she was like, I'm gonna move to Utah later, <laughs> bitches. Although she would never say bitches. Ah, so you say beaches. Beaches. It's where he met a Spanish woman from Sweden named Margaret Erickson. Margaret was described as not what one you would say challenged everything, which is a fucking mind bender of okay, a sentence. Yeah, that's. Can we say that in English? Yeah. yeah so, um, Margaret was somebody that, in layman's terms, basically just would go along with everything. Oh, no. Yeah, and it's. Pretty so good day. She was a thief. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, she came to America to serve in the church, and when an attractive and devoted Charles proposed to her, she felt it was her duty to drop out of college mid-semester, marry him, support his church work, and in her own words, become a good LDS wife. LDS, of course, meaning Latter-day Saints. Yeah. Very close to LSD, but both are crazy trips. Yeah, but one is definitely more fun than the other. (laughs) I mean, it depends on what you're into. If you're into missionary position and weird underwear, then, I mean... That sounds like LSD also. (laughs) (laughs) You call Cosmo and find out. Yeah, I mean, LDS, LSD, one of them is way more fun than the other. And uh, Mormonism for life, fellas. Uh, (laughs) Charles graduated from BYU in 1965, happily married to Margaret with who or whom i don't know 
I should have gone to BYU. Uh, with whom he eventually had seven children. They, he continued to serve the church and worked as a Spanish teacher. And that's the end of our story. Oh, great. Okay, that's cool. Really that nice. wraps it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be beautiful. If only it was. Because here's what we're going to find out. Everyone's kind of going through shit. And if you have something wrong... There's nothing wrong with getting help, all right? Yeah. Always, for sure. Because here's the other side of that story. He was on a missionary assignment in Uruguay. He was being gay. Got yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Charles showed an almost scary fascination with his work. Sometimes he worked so much he forgot to eat and take care of himself. Been there. So a little, he's, it's like he's he got a little bit of manic. Extremely ill and was forced to leave to treat jaundice and hepatitis. Oh, fuck. As well as a small mental break in quotations. And even while he was in the hospital care, even while he was being treated, he baptized his doctor and two nurses into the Church of Mormonism. So was he just not using condoms when he was being you are gay? <laughs> I wish, but it's more sad than that. He was helping how, people, how and he came in he came in contact with infected blood while oh, helping people. Okay. Yikes! Uh, his extreme devotion to the religion was uh, concerning to his family. In fact, his mother recalled that he would become extremely angry that his family wouldn't convert to Mormonism, and he once looked his godmother in the eye and said, "You're not my godmother," because she wouldn't convert to Mormonism. Yeah, and she was like bippity boppity boo, fucker. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and then the, the worst, worst part about it is as he went to left, his fucking car turned back into a pumpkin. And he's like, oh, <laughs> come on. Uh. <laughs> and then across the street in the bushes, somebody went, ah, that's a fucking bummer. <laughs> I'm the assistant boy scout leader. Nice to meet you. <laughs> his godmother's like, you could be Mormon, but I've got your shoe. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> Cinderella jokes. <laughs> Around this time, uh, this is when Charles began experiencing what he called revelations because he heard voices and saw visions Ruh-roh. that he believed to be the work of God. Oh, no. And, and right now we're entering a my favorite. My wife. I don't know why I did that. Yeah, yeah. We're entering the speculation zone. Is it a schizophrenia speculation zone? Pretty much. Charles was around 22, 23 when he began hearing voices and seeing visions. Yep. That's the same age, like, around so, when men start showing signs of schizophrenia. And schizophrenia has such a long history of being misunderstood and being, like, not treated well. Often misdiagnosed as possession. Yeah. Yeah. Also to the point that I didn't know this until I was researching in the 1950s, they made a breakthrough and they were like, oh, autism? That's just the same as schizophrenia. And they thought they were related. So... That just goes to show you how fucking dumb they were with treating stuff like this. I was going to say, I was like, that well, schizophrenia sense. still isn't very treatable. Well, uh, you it, can. It is, but it's the treatments are rough. It's really, I mean, they're basically, you're sedating someone. Yeah. 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 And, that's and that's what they, they that's, that's sort of what they did, but they just kind of let him go without really diagnosing what he had. Yeah. What Charles. Is this again? Hmm? What year is this again? This is 1960. This is 1960. Okay, so it's uh, very not well understood. Yeah, it's 1960, 1961, which is roughly the time that he was sent. I think it's 1961 because he went to missionary 1960. This is about a year later. Charles has a vision in which he realized that he would become a key figure in the church. 
And he even blessed his firstborn son to be a prophet, which made his fellow Mormons angry, but did not stop Charles from insisting that it was true. Uh, So here's the best part. Charles eventually demanded that tithing, which, if you don't know, is the donation of 10% of your income that Mormons pay to the church. He demanded that all of that be paid to him. And it was this that made the church excommunicate him in 1969 AD, the year of our orgasm. <laughs> Tithing is actually pretty common practice among many Judeo-Christian religions. But it's to the money goes to the church, not to the pastor. Yeah, it's, it's always to the church. Same thing with um, Although, Jewish synagogues will collect money and it usually goes to the upkeep. Of oh yeah yeah so i mean it's pretty common there's there's a lot of problems with tithing i personally have a few problems with the way that certain churches talk about tithing because when i grew up like i was led to believe that the tithing was something that was going towards helping our community yeah. and that you're That's doing something be. really good for the church but i found out as i grew up that a lot of that money goes to things like church upkeep but it also goes to sometimes the things that maybe I wouldn't want to be a part of. I would say if if the church you're going to is not willing to produce Divulge. a budget and yeah. tell where some of that money is going, then there's a bit of a problem. Yeah. So just, you know, know where your tithes go, kids. Yeah. yeah also, when I first read it, I thought it said teething. So that mm. was my problem is that I thought he wanted all of the Mormon chi- Put the children the money teeth. in the freezer, rub some brandy on my gums, and let's go. <laughs> So after excommunication, Charles changed his name to Emmanuel David. For the remainder of this podcast, I am going to call him Emmanuel David because I truly believe that this is where we have a switch from he's no longer Charles Longo. He is Emmanuel David. And you'll see like a very quick change. He claimed that he was the son of David, the prophet, and was both himself a prophet and the Holy Ghost. Wait, okay, okay, okay. The son of King David? The son of King David the prophet, yeah. Well, well King prophet. David is kind of considered. Not really. I mean, he's more like like figure, but not necessarily prophet specifically. But he did talk directly to God and he was well, like, well, yeah, God's a lot of people did at the time. Yeah, he's the chosen one. Same with, like, I mean, he has, I would say his son Solomon is almost more of a prophet. But he's also the Holy Spirit, even though he's walking around. The Holy Ghost, yeah. That was the big one, is that he didn't say, this is the first time, this is the first time that I've seen something where it's not, um, like, he's not saying that he is Jesus incarnate. He is saying that he is the Holy Ghost. He just, like, stops answering Jesus' text messages. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, I'm the Holy Ghost. He claimed that the Mormon church was inspired by the devil and that a great cloud would soon descend on the Mormon temple in Salt Lake City. A bolt of lightning would split it in half and the entire building would burn to the ground. A mountain would move 40 miles away from the city of Salt Lake into the city that would leave Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. He's a crackers. Oh, gosh. Um, I will say, depending on your denomination... Some Christian denominations do consider Mormonism to be a cult in and of itself and not essentially on the up and up Oh, as yeah. far as its origins. There but. is, um, so we've covered a couple different cults that are based in Mormonism or at mm-hmm. its at its core, you yeah. know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it's Mormons who leave and then start stuff like this. And I think there is something to the thought that because Mormonism starts so late, 
in the fact of like changing and divulging away from typical Christianity. I think that there oh, is you something time wise, like yeah. literally historically. Yeah. yeah. I think that there is something to it of people realizing that they themselves could do the same thing. That that is part of why some denominations are like not cool with Mormons, also yeah. because they considered um Brigham Young and Joseph Smith to be false prophets. And false prophets are of the devil. Yeah. Well, it sounds kinda like there's some mental illness storms of Bruin. You know, like, it sounds like kind of a weird mix of, like, okay, when as he's growing up, he's kind of showing these kind of, like, more sociopathic tendencies where he has, a, he, you have habitual lying, yeah. you have, like, not using others for personal gain, not really concerning yourself with truth, and then as he grows older, he starts to have, like, visions or, like, hear voices and things, so then if he feels personally wronged by this entity, he his voices could or, or like these visions or schizophrenic episodes that he's having could fixate on oh yeah the church is it's being literally evil. what's okay. happening is is what you're saying he was such a devoted follower of mormonism to the point where he believed himself to be a key figure in mormonism right. until mormonism excommunicated him and then his visions focused on what he wanted the destruction of the mormon church but he believed those things yes yeah, I think he truly believed all of these things, by the way. As we move forward, um, I found some sources on this that were saying that are like trying to cast doubt. But when you hear the things that he says and you hear the things that he does, it's pretty clear that he, I think he genuinely believes this from the jump. So, um, Manuel moved his family to the city of Manti, Utah, where they lived in a communal compound with a group who ran a knife factory and eventually other families that followed the teachings of Emmanuel. I do not know. I know what you're going to ask. I don't, I don't fucking know what knife company. I tried so hard to look for the knife company. No, I was just going to say, I was like, yeah, that sounds safe. Communal living with a bunch of knives. <laughs> oh, okay. I thought you wanted to know the knife company because I really did. Because I right do. now, if you listen to our Manson Snacks one, our kitchen is filled with things that came from the cum factory that is Oneida. Well, it's because they own Anchor. And Anchor Hockey is one of the few American, still American-made um, kitchen companies. Oh, so they I know. Make a bunch of stuff. What I'm saying is, I want to fill my kitchen with only things that have cult connections. Uh, That's yeah, what I you, want. You can. I mean, Oneida makes pretty much everything. I mean, oh yeah, I just want a little bit of diversity. I you mean, know? Okay. if that was Oneida, maybe this knife cult is Oneida. Uh, I'm sorry. I'll stop. Hey, I'll uh, hey, everybody. Okay. This is Armando. I'm here to announce uh, that we're closing down the podcast. <laughs> shutting, <laughs> shutting it down. <laughs> Gladiator is the best film of all time. Oh, shut the fucking mouth. Get the fuck out. Emmanuel gained a reputation as the bearded, long-haired, and quickly getting a little fat man. <laughs> That's a long nickname. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's this. we're still mid-nickname, by the way, or mid-description. The bearded, long-haired, quickly getting a little fat man who carried a three-and-a-half-foot sword with him <laughs> that he claimed would be used to lop off thousands of heads at some time and telling anyone who would listen that he was the Holy Ghost. Great, great, great. Um, typically, when I see people ranting and carrying a weapon yeah. out... I like cross the street. Oh, for get, sure. Get off that bus. No, I follow them because they are talking to the Lord. <laughs> Here's the other thing. 
I don't know if it, like one one or two times I've lived in an apartment where like my reputation among my neighbors were like, oh yeah, that's Armando. Sometimes he goes in the parking lot, he smokes a little bit of weed, and sometimes he plays horror movies a little too loud. But he's a nice guy. He'll watch your dog if you need to. Imagine if it was like, oh yeah, that's Emmanuel. <laughs> so, uh, man, he's getting really fat. And did I did you see his sword? By the way. He just, now he just sounds like comic book guy from The Simpsons. Yeah. yeah. I also like, especially because he lives with a group that makes knives, and I feel like he's carrying around the sword like, yep, definitely better than all of you. Well, This of- is really the biggest knife. <laughs> I was going to say, is it a real sword, or are they just like, here, dude, just, just cut just some carrots while you're at it. Yeah. yeah. I couldn't, I tried. Your sword, dude? No. I, I tried, tried looking. at a letter I- opener. <laughs> Sorry. I tried looking. I can't find where he got the sword. In my experience, men only gain swords from their friends as their friends get married and are forced to get rid of the sword. <laughs> because, like, I thought it was just a me phenomenon where, like, for a while I, I was casually dating a guy who had swords and he would gain swords as his friends would get married and be like, yeah, I can't keep this giant cleaver anymore. <laughs> like, here you go. Yeah, you know what they say. Always a samurai, never a bride. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's our episode title. Oh, God. It's so Always good. A never a bride. So you might be wondering to yourself, wow, why is anyone listening to this slightly fat man? Which is the the funniest <laughs> description, by the way. That's from a neighbor. I want you to know that. Is they they used they said uh bearded, uh long haired, and getting a little fat. That's just, that is just how his neighbor described. He's every him. LARPer. That's yeah. who he yeah. is. Just. Oh yeah. He lives in a commune with a bunch of people that make fucking knives. He's getting real disheveled. He's getting a little fat. They keep finding those cardboard flats of danishes that you could buy at Costco <laughs> in his trash. Yeah, and he's just carrying around a giant sword being like, hey, you guys, you know, one day this is going to be used to lop off thousands of heads. You know, he's just, he's that fucking guy. Why the fuck would anyone follow him? Why does he have so much medieval costumery and why is he always at the is Renaissance Is it medieval fair? or is it a katana? Because I feel like a fat man gravitates towards a gi because it's like a bathrobe. Here's here's the thing. The sword, I'm not sure because uh, it's a toss-up because he is kind of invoking this medieval shit. Right. But he did spend some time overseas in Asia. So it could go either way. He is not at Earth. No, he went to Korea for a time. Oh, that makes so much more sense. I forgot about that from the beginning. You know all those famous Korean samurais. No, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that plenty of people have gone to Asia in any capacity and come back and just like totally fucked up the way that they were like, yeah, I I went to China. I loved it, dude. Anime. It's great. (laughs) I mean, I went to Europe with a bunch of high school kids that all brought like samurai swords back from fucking France. So. Quick side Fucking note: France. Uh, Korean sword fighting is called kumdo. I took a month's worth of lessons in high school, uh, and the swords are larger than the samurai swords because Koreans are bigger people. Oh, fucking nerd! Way to right. <laughs> um, that's so, what was explained to me. <clears throat> probably by a Korean. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> he insisted that Koreans are much stronger than Japanese people. Looking we, back, that was need, some racism yeah, I wasn't aware of. To balance out our much bigger dicks. 
I just realized. No, I just realized that my Korean swordmaster was really racist against Japanese oh, people. Oh yeah. Because he talked about how the Japanese have a different sword fighting style that relies on stealth and sneakiness. <laughs> Uh, so Emmanuel David, to his credit, was earnest and commanding with a very courteous voice. His blue-gray eyes always made their way around any group that was listening to him, and his face was always suffused with enthusiasm, and even people who were certain he wasn't God always said that he was interesting to listen to. Which means that you have somebody who is, like, he very much knows that he is, in his own mind, he is God. He believes it. And when he says it, and like I said, a lot of people have described him as a natural-born salesman, that charisma mixed with genuinely knowing that what you're, the bullshit you're slinging is true, at least in your own mind, it makes a hell of a convincing argument. Are we talking about Emmanuel or Kanye now? <laughs> well, because I was, I was thinking like a cover band that's like, no, 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 we are Bon Jovi. And oh, then they start yikes. playing and you're like, okay, they're not Bon Jovi, but this is pretty good. I'll hang out. They're not Bon Jovi. Jovi, but we're halfway there. <laughs> John Bovey. Um, sorry, I got a lot. Uh, yeah, yeah, he could be described as a Kanye type. <laughs> Emmanuel David, the Kanye of Mormonism. He in more French ass restaurants. Uh, Holy shit. What? We're going to get into it later, but one of his favorite restaurants was a French-ass restaurant. Oh, my God. I didn't Will even... the world hurry up with his goddamn croissants? Hurry up with my damn croissant. <laughs> All right. Uh, the crowds that he gathered learned what everyone growing up with Emmanuel already knew, which was that when Emmanuel started speaking, you had to listen to him. Ugh. Emmanuel spoke to his friends and family of what would come for him for spreading his word, too, and he told his best friend, Skip Danes, which is pretty much the coolest name I could think it's of. a pretty cool name. Who went to him on the same mission to uh, Uruguay, by the way, that he would soon be wealthy enough, and this is true, and this is a direct quote from Emmanuel David. He said that he would be so rich that he could walk into town and buy a million dollars worth of socks. Which is the dumbest, dumbest fucking why? way. <laughs> why? You know what's cooler no than saying? No one needs him any socks. Unless you, know you wear cool? socks once and never wash them again. You know what's so much cooler than saying I can buy a million dollars worth of socks? Hey, man, I have a million dollars. Yeah. <laughs> Literally <laughs> you just. You buy anything. Yeah. I want to know. There has to be some like unsung context for that where somebody was like, oh, man, my feet are kind of cold. And he's like, <laughs> Oh, your feet are cold. <laughs> Let me tell you something, buddy. Just buy them in like post-it note packs and just peel them off. Yeah. Them once and throw them away. Now that we've been kind of comparing him to Kanye and we can sort of make... This is the fact... I'll be so rich I can buy a million socks. I am half convinced that is an actual Donald Trump tweet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so rich. I'm so huge. I'm going to buy giant socks and then underwear to fit my huge balls. <laughs> Emmanuel and his family. So many sorts. <laughs> <laughs> hey, buddy. Uh, see, you're buying a lot of socks. Just can't help but notice we've, you know, we've lived on the same compound. Haven't bought a single knife, huh? <laughs> huh? Why would I? I got this sword and cut through a flat of water bottles in two seconds. <laughs> Just saying, it's kind of a, 
It's kind of a dick move, Emmanuel. <laughs> Emmanuel and his family lived a happy communal lifestyle, completely devoted to the teachings of Emmanuel. Margaret even changed her name to Rachel David, and all of the kids took the last name David as well. And most of the children, in fact, almost all of them kept their first names with the exception of one, Frank Anthony, who changed his name to Joshua. And I gotta say, pretty good change. Pretty That's good. Pretty, yeah. Pretty solid. Pretty Sorry, good. Frank. Yeah. Sorry, Frank Anthony. Frank I'm, Tony. Fra- oh my God, my name's F Tony. <laughs> God, that's actually so much cooler. I want to name myself F Tony. All right, can we do it over? Hi, welcome to Cold Podcast. I'm Paige Wesley, and I'm F Tony. Hey, forget about it. <laughs> hey, I'm here to sing a song for you. It's called "Scenes from an Italian Restaurant." No. <laughs> oh, hey, too much cologne. No, that's Armenians. Gold chains. That's also still Armenians. Armenians. Got real racist. Could go either way. Wife beater. No, that's oh. us. That's With Italians. a little puff of hair. Yeah, that's Italian. That's not a little puff. It Where? is a blanket. Everywhere. Yeah. I'm a very hairy woman. Emmanuel, ugh, Emmanuel <laughs> taught his kids himself, and it was reported that his kids never actually attended public school. And the way they got away with this is because of their like weird nomadic lifestyle, which we'll talk about in a little bit, as well as living on a commune, allowed them to never be counted by an annual census. Oh. So the, they, the districts had no idea that they were even missing those kids. Gotcha. In 1973, the family of David left Manti, Utah, and began to travel in a sort of nomadic lifestyle by staying in hotels across the country. The plan seemed to be spreading his new religion as all over the country as he could. Emmanuel David had a routine, establishing himself with the hotel as a great customer. He would pay for weeks up front in cash. Then he would run up a large bill before eventually being forced to leave. And this routine worked over and over again. In 1974, they stayed in Maryland for almost a year, racking up $10,000 in debt before being asked to leave. In 1976, they stayed in Montana for some time before forfeiting on his $5,000 bill. And in May 1977, the family took residence on the 11th floor of the International Dunes Hotel in Salt Lake City, staying in the Alta Suite. He paid $90 a day, usually in $100 bills, and ordered catered meals several times a week from a French-ass restaurant. (laughs) So accustomed to Emmanuel's lavish tastes is that the manager actually created unusual Napoleons and cream puffs just for him. Hmm. What's Napoleon? Napoleon ice cream, oh, I think, no, right? that's Neapolitan. Oh, fuck! Napoleons are a puff pastry with cream in between. Ooh. Yeah. All right. I'm going to put this out right now. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to give this I'm going to give this to you right now, French people. You listening? You fucking slimy bastards. You fucking frog foot eating pieces of shit. All right. Need to relax. Listen. Shh, shh, shh. I'm willing to come together for that good ass cuisine dough. <laughs> I'm willing to put our differences aside to admit as a people. God. 
the French have pretty good food, especially pastries and really baked stuff. Food. Yeah, it's really good. It's I'll eat it. some of the best food I've ever had. My also, life. as somebody whose family comes from Mississippi and Louisiana, like, they're kind of tied to the stuff down there. And, oh, my boy, Cajun food is so fucking good. Cajun food's good. I, every once in a while, get just a hardcore craving for a coke monsieur. Oh, yeah. What's that? It's an, uh, like a French grilled cheese yeah. to, to be reductive as hell. But, yeah. Also, with a uh, bechamel on top, and they, it's really good. You'll definitely try it. Andrea and I are going to uh, New Orleans in, uh, in November, and uh, I'm going to take her to Cafe Du Monde, where Yay. we're going to have a Cafe Big Du Monde with a beignet. Mm-hmm. It's so fucking good. I love it. Cafe um, Olay. So, David's lavish taste also caught the attention of the FBI, although they were less concerned with where his money was going and more concerned with where it came from. Yeah. Yeah. In 1977, the FBI began investigating the sources of Emmanuel's money. Some of it was believed to have come from Scandinavia, where Rachel, again, formerly Margaret, is from... Scandinavia. 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 (laughs) That's the funniest thing. Is from uh, her family is from there. Uh, Margaret slash Rachel uh, is from there, and her brother and parents live there. Much more money, though, is believed to have come from the followers of Emmanuel. One particular follower was a big part of the federal investigation, Matthias David, which, by the way, sounds like a spell used to do simple algebra. <laughs> Matthias David was a man who took the last name uh, David and called people across the country asking for donations to help his relative, a nine-year-old girl suffering from paralysis. Some people actually donated to Matthias and his cause, but the money never reached the girl, who, by the way, was actually real. No! As long as she was made up, I was just like, nah, well, some people are yeah. suckers. No. But she's real and she's he not used, getting the money? He used a real nine-year-old girl oh, with paralysis. Got that money because he had no relation to this girl. Instead, the money was sent to his leader, Emmanuel, to help him with his cause. Matthias was arrested, good, and convicted better of using interstate wires to defraud someone of money two other followers were also put under investigation following matthias's arrest it was at this time that emmanuel began acting more irrationally he began to set up a scam to get two forty-seven thousand dollar pianos what he he got them because i found things that were saying that rachel when she used to live in sweden was like a, a masterful piano player and he wanted his kids to be able to learn piano Forty seven thousand dollars. also two of them just don't forget he's insane though yeah. yeah i would like to put it out there that i've seen one of the most expensive pianos on earth at prince's house and it was probably about that much money and on craigslist you can get pianos for free if you're willing to move them I want you to I want you to reimagine this for a second. If we just can we turn my auto tune up? Yeah. Okay. Now I want you to imagine you've just seen a Kanye West concert and this beat comes on at the end and Kanye West stands on the stage and goes, people gonna get two forty forty seven thousand dollar pianos. Yeah, but that's Kanye. He has that kind of for my kid. That is an R. Kelly impression. That's an R. Kelly impression. They're pretty much the same. Kanye would just be like, yo, I'm going to get $47,000 pianos and then like no, throw a mic and stomp off stage. He puts, he can't stomp off stage. I don't know if you've seen a Kanye West show, but the stage is held above oh, the crowd. Right. <laughs> There's I nowhere for him that. to storm off to. I Where think he, he did it on from? purpose. 
heaven. He's from heaven. He's an angel and we don't deserve him. $47,000 pianos. He also started to develop plans to leave the cycle of staying at hotels. He tried to move his family into a house, but apparently returned to the hotel the next day because the children love the hotel too much to leave. A family member of mine, another related person whose mother never sent them to school because he got bullied. She said she homeschooled him and then she just didn't. So now you have an adult that can't read. Oh, fuck. Yeah, it's a huge problem. Like, school is real. Send your kids there. Yeah. So... We're heading back into the sweet, sweet speculation zone. Um, it is possible that Emmanuel David was made aware that his followers and even himself were under investigation by the FBI, coupling this with his possibly worsening and definitely untreated case of schizophrenia could have resulted in his paranoid delusions coming to a head. This would explain some of his increasing irrational behavior. Basically, just like... He's not getting treated at all. And I know the treatments are bad, but like he, they don't even, they're not even acknowledging the fact that he probably has schizophrenia. And they're also, you already have like paranoid delusions. Imagine somebody you is your follower just got like, cause this is, this happened, you know, and he heard about it, that this person was arrested for sending him money. On Friday, July 31st, 1977, Manuel came to his friend and former missionary partner, Skip Danes, and told him that he needed to borrow his pickup truck immediately. Skip told him that the keys were in the truck. Manuel thanked Skip, took the truck, and left. On Sunday, August 2nd, two days later, Manuel David was found dead of carbon monoxide poisoning. The pickup truck was found in the mountains above Salt Lake City. A hose was running into the car through the driver's side window, along with rags stuffed around it to seal the opening. On the evening of Wednesday, August 5th, Rachel David was told that her husband had committed suicide over the phone by her brother-in-law. She expressed both excitement and concern, truly believing that her husband was the Holy Ghost. She spoke of her fears about how she would continue to pay the bills and care for her family. At 7.21 a.m. on Thursday, August 6th, Rachel helped her seven children step one by one onto two stacked chairs on their 11th floor balcony, step over the gold railing, and drop 200 feet to the roof of the hotel's coffee shop. It was reported that the last three children did not go willingly and were pushed. Three children survived the fall. Two died immediately after arriving to the hospital. The third child lived, stricken with brain damage, permanent other injuries, and now lives her life forever stuck in a wheelchair fuck the only survivor was a 15 year old daughter why basically what emmanuel david did was he created a situation where the walls of the walls are built between him his family and outside life even normal life to the point where they don't have any more money coming in they don't have any other way to do anything. And they've set up a life where they've truly devoted everything. And I mean everything that they have to the point that Emmanuel is God. And when he left, they truly believed, at least the mother truly believed, that it was her duty to serve her husband and follow him wherever he went. And she jumped as well. If I she jumped as well, yeah. She jumped as well. 
they treated it as seven counts of homicide and one count of attempted homicide committed by Emmanuel David because he was the one who almost forced them to do it with his lifetime of actions. She was 38, 38 years old when she died. The family of David continues to live a commune lifestyle in both Spokane, Washington and Aurora, Colorado, followed and filled with his members that he recruited throughout his years. A testimonial letter that the group's leader signed in 1997. The letter that they signed claims that they are the true lost tribes of Israelites. The group is led by followers who believe they are, they are the reincarnated versions of the biblical figures Moses, Abraham, Adam, and Eve. And it is made up of new members, mostly those excommunicated from the Church of Latter-day Saints, and the families who lived on the Manti compound, as well as the only surviving child of Emmanuel David. Oh, what? Who still lives her life as part of the family of David. Oh, man. Oh, no. You think she almost has to, though. Yeah, she really does. I mean, she There's... has permanent brain damage, A. But B, like, if you experience that much trauma and you believe it was for nothing, you can't stay alive. Oh, you yeah. You have to believe that there was a greater purpose to it or you will go insane. Yeah, the group, so I understand that choice. The group believes that, and they've said this, the group believes that the deaths of her, uh, of sorry, the group believes that the deaths of Rachel and her children were not a crime. They believe that Emmanuel David was God, and that when he left Earth, it was their duty to follow him. And the group has been described by some members of the surrounding community as dangerous and misguided. If they believe that, though, and that girl is still part of it like how does she reconcile her own life yeah i don't know i also don't know i was reading an article done by the washington post which is great and what they describe in it is because it was at the time of the uh of the of the event they describe it as she was she's she went through basically five blood transfusions oh man Hours of surgery, and uh, the doctors were putting her at 50-50 chances of even living. So, I don't know what her mental state is. I don't know what her physical state is. I know that as of 2000, she was alive and 38 years old. Wow. That's crazy. The only thing that I found at the end of all of this, by the way, that made me laugh even a little bit, after learning all of this horrible stuff, was digging into the life of Matthias David just a little bit more, <laughs> who is one of the prominent members now of the family of David. He's after, still in after going after to prison? After he got out of prison. He lives in Spokane, and as of 2000, he owns and runs, heavy quotation marks, a successful martial arts studio. Yes! <laughs> And is described as being, quote, an accomplished karate instructor. Always the samurai, never yes. a bride. <laughs> one of his biggest accomplishments is that he was even the one who helped train a Spokane SWAT team. 
a SWAT team. You know the guy. So now cool. all I can imagine is they're like, guys, there's a kidnapping situation, and they just break down the door, and they're like, lift the pot, let the pot go, <laughs> lift the pot, let the that's pot tai go. Chi. Is that pot tai chi? I took karate as a kid, and that's all I fucking learned. You went to a shitty karate studio. Yeah, I did. Well, I went no. to. I've told this story here before. The reason that I joined karate is because I found out that it was near my house, and my mom said if I really wanted to do it, I could join. And this guy that I went to school with named Tommy, last name redacted, it's a fucking dickhead and i hated him so much and i heard he was in that karate class and my brain went if you take karate you can beat the shit out of tommy last name redacted so i was like i'm gonna go to karate i'm gonna beat tommy's ass and then i got to karate and they were like lift the pot let the pot go lift the pot let the pot go if you learn karate you can never use your skills to hurt another person and my first thought was tommy as soon as we get out of this class i'm gonna beat the fuck out of you (laughs) i feel like I, I'm just picturing that SWAT team being like, okay, okay, run at me with your left foot forward and then I'll toss you over. Like, no, you can only hit me this one way. <laughs> like, we're sparring in this exact pattern. Have you ever seen somebody, like, yeah. who's a karate master? Yeah. like, no, yeah. no, 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 you just, you didn't do it right. In fairness, Armando must have learned a lot because he often lifts the pot and lets the pot go. So. <laughs> <laughs> Joke's on you, Tommy. I'm pretty sure he's a black belt. <laughs> I see every day. Yeah, but you are super chill and you have no anger. So. Hey. hey. Weed. <laughs> yeah, now I got that green belt. Um. Yeah, so it's a fucking bummer episode. I yeah. keep picking them because I'm like, oh, this is super interesting. And then by the end, I'm like, Andrea's going to cry. For no. sure she's going to cry. Here's what's terrible. You texted me about it and i didn't recognize the name immediately and then we got like halfway through the episode and i was just like i don't know why he said this is such a bummer and then you were like they started staying in hotels and i was like oh no i know this story yeah this is a huge bummer i oh, know i've heard the story about the kids jumping off the roof but mm-hmm. i didn't know what it was connected to right so so a little bit of backstory um one thing that i got from history goes bump which again is not a history porn site somebody should make it once you make it please tell me i will invest heavily um, how about history goes bump and grind Ooh. i don't see nothing wrong with a little history going bump and grind yeah. that not it i was gonna go with like with oppressive white guys because yeah. that's like most <laughs> of history jump on it my fdr all right anyway that's um, genuine yeah i know and it was a genuine hit. The one thing that I did find was uh, about the um, International Dunes Hotel, which is where the event happened. Um, I keep saying event, which sounds wrong, because an event is like a fun thing, you know? This was definitely not catered. This was I mean, a horrible. also refers to like alien landings and shit. That's fair. Even still, alien landings, a lot more fun than this. The, okay, sure, if you're not the one getting probed. Hey, unless you like that shit. Speak for yourself. <laughs> We're aliens from you are gay. <laughs> <laughs> so the International Dunes Hotel, I was reading up on it because they were like, it's good a spooky haunted history. It became this thing called the Shiloh Inn, which was voted the ugliest building in all of Utah, which is, <laughs> god damn, it's got to be pretty fucking ugly. Good job. Yeah, and, and then eventually I was reading about it and... Uh, this was the sentence that showed up on, on uh, you know how you look stuff up on Google and it has a little preview? Yep. 
So this is the sentence that I saw. I looked up the International Dunes Hotel to talk about like if it's got any like hauntings or ghost things. Mm-hmm. And the only the, the sentence that started with is plenty of people know that this hotel is haunted. And then it was like dot 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 and then a continuing from down the page it was like but since then the International Dunes Hotel has become the Holiday Inn Express. Please come <laughs> stay with us or hold your banquets with us. Continental breakfast. <laughs> It was so funny because they were like, we got rid of those neon lights and we're no longer the ugliest building in Utah. Thank you for coming to the Holiday Inn Express. We're not haunted. That's just the ice machine. By the way, we put in ice machines. (laughs) We made this place nice machine. Am I right? (laughs) My name's Kevin and I'm just trying to impress my manager, former assistant Boy Scout leader. (laughs) You done good, kid. (laughs) Oh, man. So that's this one, and I fucking hope you can sleep tonight. Well, yeah. We'll see. Yikes. (laughs) Yeah, so, Jesus, if you want to get on me for always fucking bumming you out every time I do an episode, you can send me your sad, whiny DM uh, on social media to either at MondoDoesStuff on Instagram or on Twitter, and that is M-A-N-D-O does stuff. If you want to send me swords for a burgeoning sword collection, perhaps oh you're getting married and you can no longer have those swords. Send <laughs> send me pictures of them first at Paige Wesley on Twitter, at Rampage Wesley on Instagram. Ooh, sword pics. <laughs> and if you want to send me your geese, your black belts, your bathrobes of a karate nature go ahead and (laughs) martial arts bathrobes your martial arts bathrobes uh go ahead and send them to me at all uh, fuck go ahead and send them to me at sundress comic on all the platforms and if you want to contact us directly as a show i guess that's less directly if you want to contact us as a whole as a unit it goes as a team as a i don't know as a family uh, the family of Torres. Family. Family. What do they call samurais as a group? I feel like they're called a murder. That's crows. I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Do you think Russell Crowe's family calls themselves a, a, a murder? <laughs> and all family functions? Back to Gladiator. I'm so excited. Fuck. Oh, if you want to tell us how much you hate Gladiator, you can do it on Twitter at Cult Podcast Show. You can send me a fucking sword so I can commit harikari because of my shame of bringing us back to Gladiator. You can send it to us on Instagram at Cult Podcast. Or you can email us your tales of samurai wonderfulness at cultpodcastshow at gmail.com. Or... You can send us your copies of The Last Samurai featuring <laughs> featuring, Tom, featuring Cruise. Tom Cruise. Oh my god. Why is he the All right. Speaking of the only other DVD I own. No. no. Is that DVD in my no. fucking oh my uh, you can send all of your Tom Cruise movies to 3756 West Avenue 40, Sweet K, number 237. Like, like the, the Shining. Shining. And not like fucking Gladiator. Los Angeles, California, 90065. Fucking hate this city for making Gladiator. <laughs> I'm sure you can blame somewhere in Romania for making Gladiator. Oh. That's probably where they filmed that shit. For sure. This is a weird cult podcast historical moment where I am more, I am on better terms with the French 
than I am with the movie The Gladiator. <laughs> oh, shit. And speaking of historical moments for cult podcasts, we have amazing news for you guys. We with hit 200,000 downloads. We hit. Woo! We're at currently at the time of recording, we are at 203K, I believe, or yeah. maybe 202. I'm going to say at the time, we are at 202. K, which is 202,000 downloads, just a little over a year of doing these podcasts. That's crazy. It's insane. Thank you guys for everything that you do. Um, Thank you to everyone who's ever sent anything, either on social media or in person. Um, Thank you to everybody who's even downloaded one episode and listened. I mean so much. And thank you to all of you who listened to our sneak peek of Pot Ring on it this week. Oh, yeah. Thanks for humoring us for that one. And then we'll be up on our own feed at Potter Ring on it next week. Yeah, we you can... should definitely listen to it. It's it's really fun. I'm it's fun. Excited. This first episode was my mom. The next one's my dad. Yay! <laughs> Who is one of my favorite people <laughs> on earth. It's super fun. Dad talks a little bit about their wedding, but mostly just tells stories about all of his friends' weddings when he was younger. I love great. Cute. Mm-hmm. Well, let's call this one Don't Drink... Bloodborne pathogens and get hepatitis in Uruguay? Oh, God. Don't drink anything in Uruguay. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure there's, like, you know, there's stuff you can drink in Uruguay. Just not infected blood, maybe. I don't know. I've just never been to Uruguay. <laughs> and don't drink the Kool-Aid. Bye. Uruguay. Bye. Here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play, like, a little, a little bit of, yeah, a little bit of slow beat. Can we turn my auto-tune up? Yeah. Okay, now I want you to imagine you've just seen a Kanye West concert. And this beat comes on at the end, and Kanye West stands on the stage and goes, You're gonna get two $47,000 pianos. You're gonna get two $47,000 pianos. You're gonna get two $47,000 pianos. $47,000 pianos. Gonna get two 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 $47,000 pianos. Kid. I'm gonna get $47,000 piano.